Welcome to LifeBridge Online. Whenever it is that you're watching this, we are grateful that you are tuning in and allowing us to be part of your faith journey. I want you to know that we pray for you often. Uh, we pray for your faith journey, and we pray that the teachings that uh, you find here on, on our website or on our podcast, uh, that they are a blessing to you and they help you become more like Jesus. After all, that should be the goal of every follower of Jesus Christ is to become like their rabbi. So let me pray that prayer for us right now, and then we will get into the supernatural. God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity. And I pray that no matter what we're doing right now, as we listen to this, uh, God, may we hear from you. Uh, Lord, it doesn't matter if, if there's task going on. God, I pray that that you and the power found within the word of God, that Lord, it's stronger than anything that we're doing. It's stronger than the distractions that might be there. It's stronger than uh, whatever our minds might be on. As we have this playing in the background, Father, will you, will you speak to us? Will you meet us where we are? If we need encouragement, if we need correction and behavior, no matter what we need, Lord, may we find it today in the power that is found in your word. These things we ask. Amen. Now, I don't know if you are aware or not, but uh, later on next week, on the 25th of June, the Pentagon is going to release a report to the public about their knowledge and their history of UFOs. Last year, there were a few leaks from a few armed service pilots. I'm not sure if it was Navy or Air Force or uh, whoever, but a few armed service pilots or military jets with some of the, the best technology, if not the best technology in the world, they claim that they saw with their eyes something flying around our atmosphere that they could not identify. The talk of UFOs has been in the news more and more lately. You see it all over the place, and it's reached the level of Congress. Uh, I know one congressman has a committee that is researching this, and it's not just our media outlets. All over the world, people are talking about the UAPs, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, as they are now being referred to. So no longer are they UFOs, now they're these UAPs. And people are talking about this, and people are taking an interest in this because of this common question. And it doesn't matter where we live on the planet. People want to know, are we alone in this universe? Are there other beings? And there's this infatuation with wanting to know if E.T. or some version of E.T. actually exists. And by the way, did you know that E.T. the movie will be 40 years old. It was released in 1982. And so it'll be 40 years old next year. That, that just hit me as I was doing some research on this. And so that's what today is about. Not, not E.T. and not E.T. the movie, but we're tackling the question, are we alone in this universe? 
Now, when we ask the question, I'm not talking about other humans. Uh, I know some of you might be thinking that you are walking around all alone. Uh, some of you are walking around and says, oh no, there's two or three people in my head. Uh, we're not talking about other humans. We're not talking about the animal world when we ask the question, are we alone in this universe? And the answer to that, let me just jump out there. The answer to that is no. Now, I, I'm not speaking of the extraterrestrial. Because truthfully, that, that's something I don't care anything about debating. We can have those arguments and those talks some other time. I don't care anything about it. Whether there's ETs out there or not, that doesn't, doesn't impact my life today. But when it comes to the human race being alone on this planet, I do not believe that we are alone. F follow me here for a moment, if you will. Okay, If you are a person of faith, this is going to sound familiar to you, so just follow me. Hebrews 11 speaks about our faith. It describes what faith is. And this chapter in Hebrews 11 gives example after example of people who have demonstrated great faith in their life. But the truth of our faith is that it is based on the unseen. Look at verses 1 through 3 of Hebrews 11. The author writes, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. As we think about this question, as we think through this question of are we alone, I believe it will help us if we first think about the origins of our faith and our personal faith. So much of our faith in God hinges upon the unseen. Now, we can certainly find tangible evidence of God, and God reveals himself to us along the way of our faith journey. No doubt about it. But so much of what we believe is not a visible, tangible object. You know, Jesus promises to his uh, followers, as he was wrapping up his time on earth, he was, he was teaching them and he was telling them that he was going to leave them a helper. Uh, this helper is known as the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the thing, this Holy Spirit that Jesus promises, it's, it's very real. It's very active. And it's a very active part of my life. But here's the thing. I've never touched the Holy Spirit. But yet you ask anyone who has experienced the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they will tell you it is not some figment of our imagination. It's not just the, the good conscience uh, that, that you see. It's not the angel over here and the devil over here. No, no, no the Holy Spirit is this, it, it is real and it's an active part of our lives, but yet we don't see it. It's oftentimes referred to as the Holy Ghost. So if our faith is based upon the unseen, it is certainly possible then that the adversarial opponents to our faith are also unseen. There's a verse in Ephesians that 
we talk about, we've talked on it several times here, but I mean, sometimes we just don't know what to do with it. And it makes the point about this very question that we're talking about, are we alone in this universe? The verse is Ephesians 6, 12, and it reads, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly Places. Now, you can't think heavenly places as some far off land uh, of heaven of where we might be. The, the heavenly places just, just refers to uh, the, the atmosphere. They, they, there's, they're running around this earth. And Paul is closing out this letter to the church. And this is the warning he gives. If you, if you look back into uh, verse 10, he says, A final word I give you. And then he goes through verse 11 and then verse 12. Be aware that our battles aren't with the Romans who might be persecuting you because of your faith. Remember, the church at Ephesus, man, they knew a thing or two about persecution. They knew a thing or two about, about battles. They knew a thing or two about uh, the, these foes that were against their faith. And they know, they experienced often a physical, life-threatening enemy. And yet, Paul warns them that the battle isn't against the rulers and the authorities, but it's against the, the cosmic powers who dwell over the present darkness, over this earth. Your battle, he says to this church, who is used to the Romans coming and knocking on the door and persecuting them in front of their families and, and, and killing them and hanging them on crosses and doing all those things, Paul tells them that their battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against these evil rulers who roam over our earth. In our core verse this week, uh, Jesus approaches this subject from a little different angle. Matthew 25, 41 is our core verse. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Of course, if you read through uh, chapter 22, 23, 24, 25 of Matthew, Jesus is teaching his audience on what the second coming will look like. And he's going to separate the faithful from the unfaithful. He's going to separate the ones who have been obedient with the ones who have been disobedient. And when he separates them, he will cast the disobedient into an eternal fire that is being prepared for the devil and his demons. I mean, I want you to take note of this. I kind of hope this scares you a little bit. Uh, the location for the devil and, and his crew, the devil and the demons, that location is a place that is being prepared. It, it, it's this place that, that there's preparation going into this eternal lake of fire. Church, what we need to realize from Paul and his teachings from the author of Hebrews and what, what uh, that author says to us. And then certainly Jesus right here, you are not alone in this world. 
You're not alone in this world, and we need to be aware of this because the forces that are out there, the, the others that are present with us, they are waging spiritual warfare on our lives. There, I do believe, is a devil that has reigned on this earth, and his minions are doing all they can to trip you up and to turn you away from following Jesus. And if you don't believe me, just go read the book of Job. There was this conversation between Satan and God in the heavenly places, if you will. There was this conversation about what about your man Job down there? And God said, okay, you can attack him. I'm giving you permission to attack him, but you can't do these certain things to him. There is a devil, and he has reign on this earth. So, if that's true, and Jesus' warning to his audience is that the disobedient, the, the unfaithful, that these people are going to be cast into an eternal Fire, along with the devil and the demons who are roaming the earth. How can I avoid that? <laughs> like, okay, we're not alone. There's demons and there's, you know, the devil. How do I avoid spending eternity with them? We'll go back to Ephesians 6, 12. Paul refers to this as a battle. And he says, our battle isn't against one another. Even though you may cut me off in traffic, even though you may, may do something to my family, even though the circumstances of this earth may, may affect me some way, shape, or form, my battle is not against my boss who doesn't like me. My battle is not against the person who cut me off. My battle is not against my annoying neighbor. My battle is against these evil forces. And we need to recognize that it is a battle. And in battles... You have to fight. Understand this, especially those of you listening to my voice who, who live in the South, who, who uh, you know, live in America and the church here. Understand this. You may not recognize the spiritual warfare that is being waged over your life because things seem pretty normal. I mean, you got a pretty nice life, most of us. You, you, you're comfortable. You have all the, the luxury items you really need to have a comfortable, nice life. You have a good job. And, and there's usually, for most of us, there aren't too many major obstacles in our life. Yeah, there's some ups and downs. There's some speed bumps along the way. But for the most part, our life is pretty comfortable. Everything is pretty okay. You may not recognize the spiritual battles and the devil is okay with you living this way. The devil is good with you being comfortable. He's good with you being comfortable in your faith because he knows that your comfort leads to apathy. He knows that our affluence can lead to valuing something more than God. And the devil is good with it. Spiritual battles in your life, church, they're, they're not always these knockdown, down 12-round fights. Some of them are, are very subtle in nature. 
And Satan is okay with you living like this. He doesn't have to take a mile. He's good with you giving him an inch. And so Paul is making the point, war has been waged on your life. So how do I make sure I don't lose the battle and end up being cast into the eternal fire with the enemy? Well, there's a classic book, maybe you've read it, called The Art of War. And it's written by a Chinese battle strategist in 500 BC. That's right, 500 roughly um, years before Jesus walked the earth, this book, The Art of War, was written. And one of the teachings is that in war, you always take the battle to your enemy. You, you never fight on your own home turf. You go to the enemy. You don't wait for the enemy to come to you. You're the aggressor. You go to the enemy. Look at what Paul says next in verses uh, 13 of Ephesians 6. This is popular. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Here's the interesting thing about the armor of God. And Paul makes sure that he's making the point that we need to be resisting the, the enemy in the time of evil and that we are there to, to battle, to stand firm in this battle. But here's the interesting thing about all the components of the armor of God. Armor is designed to keep you safe. Armor is a defensive resource that we have access to. And we don't need to to diminish the role of the armor of God in our life. And this picture that Paul is writing, uh, painting for the church at Ephesus, it applies to our lives. We need to have this armor on. But here's the thing about going into battle. You can't fight battles with defense alone. You must take the fight to the enemy. And if you're going to do that, you have to have a weapon. If we're going to fight the spiritual battles, if we're going to fight against these, these, the devil and the demons who are waging war on our lives, we have to have a weapon. Look at verse 17. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Church, our weapon to fight battles with is the Word of God. That's our weapon. That, that's how we fight against these prevailing evil forces who are waging war on our lives. We fight the battles by taking in God's Word into our lives on a regular basis. And, and I don't mean a regular basis like three Sundays out of the month. I mean a regular daily basis. That is how we fight the spiritual battles that are being waged 
that are being waged on our lives right now. We take the offensive. And the offensive in this case is the word of God. And here's the truth. I'm guilty of this in my life. Maybe you are too. Oftentimes, we wait until we are under heavy attack before we dust off our Bibles and we start to use it to solve whatever issue we might be facing. A lot of times, we wait till we are being knocked down that there's so much weight upon us that that is when we actually get our Bibles out, we dust them off, and we start to fight back. Church, we need to take the fight to the enemy. And this is done by daily reading of Scripture. Now stay with me here, okay? I'm almost done. I want to give you another analogy, okay? Another analogy used for the Word of God is food. And in the Old Testament, it's really referred to as bread. Follow me. Jeremiah 15, 16 reads, Your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, somebody that was very familiar with obstacles, somebody that was very familiar with demonic forces and demonic the, the presence of demons. He says, I found your words and I ate them. I consumed them and your words became to me a joy. Hey, I'm just curious in, in your personal life. Is God's word a joy for you? I mean, do you delight in his words or is the Bible viewed as some monotonous task or is reading the Bible viewed as some monotonous task that is dreaded and eventually it's dropped from your routine? Jeremiah, the weeping prophet says, I found your words to be nourishing and they bring me great joy. To stay with the food analogy, when God was leading the people out of bondage, when he was taking the Israelites out, out of uh, the, the evil forces of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and he was taking them into the promised land, God took care of their every need. And, and one of those needs was providing fresh bread every morning. God provided fresh bread. Now, it's called manna. And, and, and you think about it. You, you think about what you know of fresh bread. I remember when my mom was on this kick of, of making homemade bread. And you could just walk into the house from outside when she was making the bread. And, and the aroma was absolutely amazing. And, and I remember uh, certain times in my life walking by bakeries when I was... Uh, a teenager, I had the opportunity to go to to London and visit uh, some family members with my grandparents. And well, one one of my my grandmother's sister worked at a bakery. And let me tell you, every single day we would go into that bakery, and there was the aroma of fresh bread. It's it's one of those amazing smells. Um, just I'm, I'm 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 drooling right now just thinking about it. The Israelites had fresh bread delivered to them every single morning. 
but they became burdened by the task of collecting the fresh bread daily. They actually got to the point where they said, hey, can we have a week's worth? Can we have several days worth? Are we allowed to gather up two, three, four times as much and we'll just keep it throughout the rest of the week? They wanted to have so much more so because they didn't like the task of gathering the nourishment that God is providing. They would try to save some for the next day and every time they did, it, it was rotten. It was covered with maggots. God was giving them fresh bread daily and the people rejected it. See, you and I have the opportunity to gather up fresh bread daily. But we're not the only ones who strive, who work to get out of feasting on the word of God. The Israelites did the same thing. Jesus wasn't talking about our physical needs only when he was teaching the believers to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Yeah, he's talking about our physical needs. But he's also talking He's also talking about this on a spiritual level. The word of God is this bread. And Jesus has called himself the bread of life. And we get to feast on this every single day. And every single day, God says, I've delivered some more fresh bread. Jesus is talking about the nourishment of our souls when he says to us, give us this day our daily bread. So it begs the question, what gets in the way of me feeding on God's word daily? You know, what, what gets in the way of me doing that? Back to my first analogy, if you will, about the word of God being a, a weapon. If my weapon is God's word and I take the battle to Satan by reading it, if, if, I'm, if I am taking the battle to him by simply reading the word of God, why wouldn't I spend as much time in it as possible? How come if war is being waged on my life, how come I am not spending more and more time in prayer and reading the word of God? Hey, what keeps Michael, what keeps me from being in the word daily? I mean, after all, I'm a pastor. I get paid to do this, right? Not always the greatest, though, at having personal time. I'm not always the greatest at just feasting on the, the fresh bread that God provides and offers daily. So what keeps me from doing it daily? Well, you know what I discovered? The only thing that keeps Michael from feasting on God's word is excuses. I can come up with several without even batting an eye. I'm too busy. Hey, I don't like to read. I don't understand everything I'm reading. I'll be all right. It's not that big a deal. I'll, I'll listen to it on the way to work. I don't have the time. I'm too tired. Reading makes me fall asleep. And the excuses can go on and on. Maybe you, maybe you have some that I didn't list right there. All of those things that I've just mentioned, those are things that I've said at some time or another. They're all excuses. 
Excuses, that's all they are. What about you? Since we are not alone in this life that we live, are you taking the spiritual battle in your life to the devil? Or do you wait for the devil to come to you? Do you wait when you've been kicked and knocked down before you actually dust off the Bible, pull out your sword, and start fighting? Maybe you don't know where to start today. You easily lose track of what God is re revealing to you when, when you do read. Maybe you just, you, you, I've tried over and over and over again, and Michael, it just, it doesn't stick. I get to the second week, or I get to the third book, or I get to something I don't understand, and I, and I quit. I, I quit reading. Maybe you're sitting there and you say, man, I don't know what it's like. So I want to share a method with you uh, that I've been doing for some time now. This method that I'm doing, is it's similar to some other things that we teach here at LifeBridge. It's a little, uh, it's a little simpler than, than some other methods that we have. It's certainly simpler than the Core 52 reading, but uh, it's, it's something I've been done. We're going to try to offer this next year. I'm trying to do this daily, every day. And so far, this method has worked. Just like the Israelites who were instructed to pick up the fresh bread in the morning before the sun started to melt it away, that's when I find it works best for me. I get up, I grab my cup of coffee, I sit in my recliner, and I start with this method. Now, now mind you, I, I don't check social media. I, I don't check the weather app. I don't check the news. I don't turn on the TV. I don't do any of those things. And I used to, I used to do them all the time. There was always the social media. There was always weather. There was always the TV. And then I'll ease into some type of devotion and that never got to the devotion. I never got out of the devotion because I was already tuned into something else. So all of that stuff, I've developed the habit of, I, I don't look at any of those things. I don't turn on the TV until after I do this method. It's an acronym, SOAP, S-O-A-P. So this is the method that I've been using for some time now. It stands for scripture, observation, application, and then prayer. So I have my Bible app open on my, on my tablet and I have a journal. And then I also have my cup of coffee because, well, my coffee is the Holy Spirit in liquid form. I have those three things in my recliner with me. I read a passage of scripture. I try to keep it to less than 10 verses. I'm not worried about reading chapters at a time. I'm not worried about reading great long segments of any kind. I'm just trying to read something that I read until I read until something stands out to me. That's what I do. And I'm, I'm trying to keep it to less than 10 verses. And when something stands out to me from what I've read, I write that verse or verses down in my journal. That's right. That's what the journal is for. So that goes under the scripture. Then there's the observation. After something stands out to me, and after I write those verses down, I then journal what I'm observing 
from this passage. And here's what I've learned in my life about simple observations from Scripture. Oftentimes, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to me. What is it from the verse that stands out to me? Right now, I'm in the book of Daniel. And there's so much stuff in, in Daniel chapter 1 about what God does in Daniel and the provisions that he makes over and over again. I write these simple observations down. Then I move to application. I journal. What is the application for my life? Because here's the thing, church. Bible knowledge alone isn't the end goal. Living out what the Word of God is saying is the goal. Like, like that's the, how the spiritual battles are being won. When I'm living out the things that I am reading, that's how we fight these battles. It's not the knowledge alone. It's the application of the knowledge. The application to my life comes in many different forms. You know, and here's the thing. It's not always about behavior change. Application isn't always about correcting a behavior. Sometimes it's as simple as finding encouragement in something that I'm doing. Other times it's affirmation for decisions that I am making. And then sometimes it is conviction about behavior. That's certainly part of it, but it's not always the case. So I write down the application. How does this fit my life and what do I need to be doing today as a result of what I'm reading. And then after application, I journal a very simple prayer pertaining to the application. It's just a simple prayer. I've looked back and most all of my prayers that I've journaled are two to three sentences tops. That's the method that I've been doing. If you desire to start being in the Word daily and you don't know how or where to start, use that simple method. SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. If you don't know where in the Bible to start reading, pick a book, 1 John. That's a great book. James, very, full, very much full of wisdom. Philippians, those are all great books to start with. And when you miss a day, because you, you will miss a day, don't beat yourself up and don't let missing one day turn into missing two days. Tell yourself the night before, before you go to bed, tomorrow morning at this time, I am going to read whatever chapter it is and then I'm going to do this Bible study. See what happens. And when you start increasing the frequency of taking in the Word of God, you will see the spiritual battles over you decrease. They're, they're going to stop. We are not alone on this planet. There is a devil that wants nothing more than to drag your life into that fiery, eternal lake. 1 Peter 5, I'll close with this, says, stay alert. Watch out for our great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking 
for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Until next week, we'll see you.